Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Thank you so much, Tina. Awesome. I love that. I love that um, on a couple levels. Um, I, heard, I first heard about that um, a few years ago. I think Ed might have been the first person to tell me about that. And uh, I love it that we're able to, to bless um, the people in that part of, of the world. But I also love that we're partnering with um, Ben and Kara, who we know personally and who are just amazing people. And yeah, I'm not going to steal Ed's thunder. Ed can share the story better than me. Um, yeah, it's a really great story about Kara and, and how she got connected with that and then Ben and, and how they're just sewing into that land. And so it's exciting to be a part of that. So yeah, and that's, by the way, that's something we've added this year. We have... We support Jesus Cares Ministries in India, and we support, um, they changed the name. We support, do you remember what the name is? They changed the name. <laughs> it used to be the Refuge Foundation, but what's the new name? Caladan. Yeah, we support Caladan Missions, and now we've added this as a third thing. As, we're, as our church is growing, we want to grow in who we're supporting. Amen? So good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. I got one back. <laughs> Oh, man, I just want to share some testimonies with y'all this morning. My country's coming out. Uh, I want to share some testimonies. This is uh, just a few testimonies of just things that have happened just this year, which we're only about, what, six weeks into the year. And God is doing so many things. I want to share, um, you know, Monet shared her testimony last week. And, man, if you weren't here for that, um, go to our YouTube page. We put it on our YouTube page with their permission. And that is a bona fide miracle that we have verified by doctors. And that is so awesome. That's just been wrecking me. Your testimony has been wrecking me all week. I've been sharing that with everybody and just marinating in that. Such a great testimony. We're so happy for you guys. So yeah, if you don't know, um, Monet was just radically healed from PCOS and NGO endometriosis. Did I say that right? Yeah. And so totally verified by doctors, radical miracle. Um, and so, so excited. I have, I have a few just evangelism testimonies. We now have 13 people who have given their heart to Jesus since we started going out in January. Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand clap. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, 13 people whose lives are forever changed. And man, I just want to encourage you. Sometimes it's people are just ready. It's, sometimes it's easy. Three people gave their heart to Jesus yesterday, and they were just ready. Like, you know, I just 90-second evangelism message, and at the end of it, I just said, you know, Jesus is here right now. Do you want to receive him? And, and the, yes, yes, I want to receive him. And so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times we don't, maybe not even realize, but someone else may have sown into them already, and then God will bring us along for the harvest. And then other people we're sowing into, and someone at another time might come and just be like, wow, this person was ready. Maybe when we encountered them, they were resisting it. But, you know, we're sowing seeds, and when we sow the seeds, and it's, Isaiah says, the plowman is sure to follow. God's the plowman. He's the one that drives those seeds into the ground. And, uh, and it, he, uh, his word that goes forth, his, his seeds that go forth, they always bear something. Amen? They always bear fruit. And another testimony, just Aubrey Joza, um, she had a, a cyst in her jaw, and they were going to have to do surgery. And in fact, when they first found out about it, um, where, where are you guys, Joza's? Are they, oh, they're doing junior high class today. They're teaching the class. 
Um, but when they first found out about it, the guy wanted to do surgery immediately. And he's, and he's like, well, what, what is this going to involve? And he's like, well, she'll have a permanent scar, but we'll go in and remove it from a piece of her jaw. But if you don't get it done right now, the, jaw, the uh, cyst is going to grow and it might break her jaw. Like, you know, and she's like eight or nine years old at the time. And he's like, whoa, just wait, wait a minute. And we're not going to do that today. And she gets radically healed. They just did a, another verified miracle. They just did another scan and they're like, there's no cyst. Everything's fine. Yeah. Um, a guy at our church named Steve, he had his feet and his shoulder healed. Um, people have just, I've been getting lots of testimonies of people encountering the love of God. Um, someone had a testimony that they encountered God through uh, a YouTube teaching. I think it was Angela's YouTube teaching, and they were just talking about how they just encountered the love of the Father right through a YouTube teaching. And so people in our church are getting saved. We've had people getting saved out in the, on the streets, but also people have been getting saved right here in our church. And people have been having encounters with God during the worship time. And so there's just so many things happening right now. Revival is in the air right now. Revival is in the air. And so there's an, an awakening happening in his church, amen? There's an awakening happening right now. And I, I felt like I was supposed to share... Um, the testimony that today of how we got the name of this church. We started this church, and we didn't have a name, and uh, we were just praying, God, we want the name that you have for this church. And I came home one day, I still remember it, and Joy was like, oh man, this word awaken. It's just like, I can't get this word awaken out of my heart. I just have this word awaken in my heart, and I was like, it resonated with me. I was like, yeah, awaken. It's like, awaken. What, what is going on out there? It's like... Something like a hot rod just pulled up behind us, our church or something. <laughs> um, so she had this word awaken, and then we were just talking, and, and she's like, awaken life. She's like, I, I feel like it may be. And I, as soon as she said that, I was, like, I was like, that's it. I was like, it just bore witness with my spirit. I was like, that's it, awaken life church. And then a few months later, she was going through her uh, prayer journal and she found this testimony or she found this prophetic word that was given to her and it said, God is calling you to awaken life in his church. And she wrote it down in her prayer journal and she'd forgotten about it. And as she's flipping through that, she was like, wow, that's such confirmation. And she's flipping through her prayer journal and a paper falls out. And the paper was a prophetic word that someone gave to me and I wrote it down in this paper and she kept it for me. And it was a word that I got from somebody that said, God is calling you to awaken life in his church. And so we just knew that was confirmation and it's happening. God is awakening life in his church, amen? And Lord, in Jesus' name, we just command the noise to stop <laughs> in Jesus' name. The engine to die in Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe kidding. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's going to be a great day. Well, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. You're so good to us. We just love you, Jesus. We love your love. We just thank you that you invite us into your story, Jesus. It's your story, but you've invited us all into it. We just thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your love, for your tender mercies. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our best friend, that you're here right now, that you're speaking to hearts. And we just pray that you're just speaking to us directly today. Just put your hand on your heart and just say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to speak to me today.
whatever you have. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read out of Acts chapter 3. So we're going to read a few verses. So if you brought your Bible, you can open up to Acts chapter 3. I'm going to be reading this portion in the NIV, which I like if I'm reading like really long passages of Scripture. I, I like NIV. So this is Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 19. Acts chapter 3. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said this, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So when the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? I want to stop right there for a second. So when God shows up, and we, we've seen it many times, when God shows up, whether it's a miracle, whether it's like a powerful prophetic word or it's a healing, human tendency is to look at the person that we can see in the flesh and put them on a spiritual pedestal. That's human tendency is we, we look at this and we're like, wow, that's amazing. And instead of looking to Jesus, we look to this person and we're like, you know, and, and there's, there can be some parts of this that, is, that are, are okay. Like, hey, I want to learn from them. But the testimony is supposed to raise our eyes to Jesus. Amen? And so this happens right there when, when uh, they see this miracle, they look to Peter. And he says, why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness, we've made this man walk. Do you know what Monet's testimony bears witness to? It bears witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and he's real. Amen. He's alive, he's real, and he's willing to heal. By the way, Chris Kildosher, who prayed for her, um, he'd be the first person to tell you this. He's like, the miracle that happened with Monet, it bears witness to Jesus that his message is true. His message is true. You know, Joe Bieber, that's coming in three weeks, he, he uh, witnesses on the streets, and then he prays for people, and he'll see them healed. And when people get healed, he tells them this. He goes, you know, you know what this bears witness to, that you just got healing? This bears witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. Everything I just told you about Jesus is real. He just healed you. He's alive. He's here right now, and he wants your heart. 
He doesn't stop at, you know, and it, it's okay, I've done it. I've prayed for people and they got healed and I said, Jesus loves you. But he doesn't stop there. He's like, Jesus wants your heart. He healed you because he wants you. He wants your heart and he's here right now. And he's willing to save. He's willing to wash you of your sin. So Peter is, is taking their eyes off of him. He's taking their eyes off of him. They put their eyes on Peter and he's taking their eyes off of him and he puts their eyes on Jesus and he's about to drop a gospel bomb on them, okay? Because the gospel is the power unto salvation. That's what it says in Romans 1.16. It says, the gospel is the power unto salvation. In another passage, actually, and that's, that's the verse where, in the first part of that verse, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power unto salvation. The enemy wants us to be ashamed of the gospel because he knows it's the power to save people. And I can tell you, there's been pieces of my heart where I'm like, wow, I'm realized as I've been going out, I'm like, there's been pieces of my heart where I'm like, I'm ashamed of the gospel. And God's just working these things out because the enemy wants to get us ashamed because it's power. I, I'm telling you, when you're sharing Jesus with people, just nothing fancy. You're just telling them, this is who Jesus is. He came, he died for you. He, he, he's inviting you into this place. He's washed your sins away. And he rose from the dead. He's, he's alive and he's here right now and he wants to save you. Just the simple message. You see like people's hearts get pierced. You see it in their eyes. You see like, it's like, it's like you're giving them this powerful prophetic word. In fact, you are because the testimony of Jesus Christ has the spirit of prophecy on it. It's Revelation 19.10. So as the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So when you're sharing the simple gospel with people, you're actually prophesying over them. You are prophesying over their life and it's powerful. You see it in people's eyes. We were talking to these two girls yesterday and I, my heart just went out to them. They're just like, you could just tell they're just really struggling with their identity and stuff going on in their life. And I could see the gospel piercing their heart. I could, we were just sharing the love of Christ with them. Like, man, Jesus, he just loves you. He paid for all your sin. He wants to take all your pain, all your sin, all your shame. And you could see it going in and you could see them rejecting it. You could see like their hearts would be pierced and they'd be like, but this religious argument, and then I kept going. I just, we're not, we don't argue with anybody. I kept going, like, you know, just right straight to the gospel. And you could see it, like, touching them. And, they, and then they would reject it because everybody has a choice. And when you're sharing Jesus with people, they know in their heart, I have a choice right now. The Holy Spirit's convicting them and saying, this message is true. You need a Savior. And so they're, they're getting this question in their heart even before you ask them a question. And they're like, you're like, they're like rejecting it as you're like sharing it with them. And then I had other people yesterday, which I think I already shared, but shared the message and, they're, and they're, I could see them just being pierced and they're like, yes, I want this right now. I want this. Amen. So Peter's about to drop a gospel bomb right here. So let's read in verse 13. It says, the God of Abraham. So remember, this is the context is, They've prayed for this guy or this guy that was been a lame beggar. He, he's now walking. He didn't walk before. Everybody's like amazed and they're all looking at Peter and watch what he does with this attention that everybody's putting on him. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate 
Though he had decided to let him go, you disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. The power is not just in the, the death, but the power is in the resurrection. He's sharing the gospel right now, which carries its own power. He said, God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know has been made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. So when miracles happen or when people get saved or when a powerful prophetic word comes, we need to resist the urge to look at a person and know that all these things bear witness to the message of Jesus Christ being real, being true. When those things happen, it bears witness of Jesus. When we look to a person rather than Jesus, we actually set ourselves up for spiritual abuse. We actually set ourselves up to for spiritual abuse. You know, God doesn't have spiritual grandchildren. He only has children. So we value spiritual fathers and mothers and, and people that are discipling people. We highly value that. But every great spiritual mother and father will take your hand and they'll put it in the hand of Jesus. Because you're never meant to connect to God through a person. You were meant to have a direct relationship with the Father. You're meant to have a direct, direct relationship with Jesus Christ. That's good stuff. Let's read on. Verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. How many know that's what happens when you get saved? Your sins are wiped out, past, present, future. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That times of refreshing may come. When you share the simple gospel message about Jesus, you're prophesying over them and you're prophesying like God wants to bring you into a time of refreshing in your life. He's gonna wash you of, of all your sin and he's inviting you into a life where he's gonna speak to you and guide you and lead you and you're gonna, be, you're gonna have peace in your life. And so absolutely, you're like right now Peter's evangelizing. He's using this moment where someone's gotten healed and he's preaching Jesus to people. And he tells them, Repent, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come. So number one, I want to just make a couple quick points on this. When we tell people about Jesus, we're inviting them into times of refreshing in their life. But how many know that the times of refreshing are not just for the people who just get saved? He's inviting us all into a life of refreshing. Amen? So we can't look at that scripture and be like, Man, I wish I could get saved again because I'd be in a time of refreshing. But God is inviting you into a lifetime and a lifestyle of refreshing. Acts 3.19 says this. Acts 3.19 in the Passion, I just read it in the NIV. In the Passion, it says this. And now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed. And so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. God wants to just 
he wants us as believers to just be in this place of we're just getting streams of refreshing from the Lord's presence. That's why one of the reasons why we have presence nights where we're just, it was on our heart. We're like, we need a, a night in our week where we just come and it's all about God's presence and God do whatever you want. But like, we just want to come in and enter into the presence and we just get those streams of life just flowing into us. So that streams, or so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. Now this is what's cool, I wanna point this out. The Weymouth translation says this, same verse. Repent, therefore, and reform your lives so that the record of your sins may be canceled. Hallelujah, that happened when we said yes to Jesus, when we got saved, the record of our sins were canceled. And listen to this, and that there may come seasons of revival from the Lord. Seasons, not a season of revival, seasons of revival. If you've listened to Bill Johnson much, one of the things that he, one of the things that was kind of the marking point for what made Bethel Bethel was that in 1998 or 1999, one of those, he came back with this message and he said, we're not supposed to have revival, we're supposed to live revival. We're supposed to be like a constant revival, times of refreshing, seasons of refreshing, seasons of revival. We're supposed to live in revival, not have revival. And so God's inviting us into times of refreshing, not just new believers, but all believers. The Lord wants to bring us into a a time of revival, a time of refreshing. And I submit to you that revival is here. It's here now. It's, It's coming. It's increasing. But I'm telling you, it's here. Like you, you see it, like revival is like people are getting saved, we're seeing miracles, we're seeing people touched, like in all the different outlets that we're, that we're uh, just releasing Jesus, we're seeing like amazing things happen in this church. This past staff meeting, we always just share testimonies and we shared testimonies for almost an hour and then I left and I was like, oh, we, oh I, f- I just remembered a couple more. It's like I didn't even have enough time to share them all. So God is, is bringing us into times of revival, times of refreshing. So that's one of the definitions of revival is times of refreshing. So Hebrews 12.2 says this. Would you have my water? I think it's right there. Did you guys see Tom Brady throw the Lombardi trophy over the water? You guys saw that? Man, that was, he threw the Lombardi trophy like 20 feet across water to his teammates that were in another boat. I was just like, with the whole world watching, he almost dropped the Lombardi trophy in the bottom of the river. (laughs) Hebrews 12, 2. This is uh, NASB, New American Standard. says, looking only at Jesus looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking only at Jesus. So right now in this time of refreshing, this time of revival, keep your eyes on him and what he's doing in this season. Keep your eyes on him. I'll I'll share a, a, a transparent story about myself and my life. In December, my wife and I were talking about, maybe it's time to sell our house. We've had our house for 14 years. We're like, maybe, maybe we need to sell our house. It's at the place where 
it kind of needs to be remodeled and there's just, we've got five kids, so there's just dents in every wall and we're like, maybe it's time to like, you know, we, we to cash out and maybe buy a new house. And um, so I, I just was talking to Joy and I, I said, okay, let me just, let's just kind of like dream for a second, like what we might be able to do. And I said, I, I used to have my real estate license. So I said, okay, I could go back. I could go to school in January and I'll just do the crash course. I'll go get my license, and then I, we can use my license to, to list the house and use my license to, to buy the next house. So I'm just kind of like throwing out a scenario. And I, I can't remember how long it was. It might have been a day. We're just like, okay, well, let's just kind of pray about that. The next day, she came to me, and she's like, I don't feel peace about that at all. She's like, you know, we're just r- running a church right now, and she's like, think about January is just going to be crazy for you. You're going to be like, you know, all the stuff with the church and then you're going to be trying to get this real estate license and it's just going to be a little wild. And I don't make unilateral decisions and my wife didn't have a piece about it. So I said, okay, I don't have peace about it if you don't. And so I'm not going to do that. So now January 3rd, 4th, 5th, Chris Kildosher, Joe Bieber come to our church, right? And I, by the way, I had no idea that they were bringing this evangelism fire. Like, in fact, I don't even know if Chris knew. Chris, like, December, middle of December, um, Joy's preaching, and she's walking around praying for people, and it's just like, like, God was just moving in the service, and I get a text message from Chris Kildosher as she's walking around praying for people, and he's he's like, the Lord is just awakening your church right now, (laughs) and I just shot him a quick text back, and I was like, hey, man, you need to, you need to come to our church again. And then I think it was, I think it was within a few minutes, he texts back and he goes, January 3, 4, 5. <laughs> and I talked to Joy afterwards about it and we both prayed about it. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we feel like that's, that's right. He's supposed to come. So he just reaches out to his friend Joe and he's like, hey, I'm going to be in Phoenix. These guys just all like have done a lot of ministry together. So he's like, I'm going to be in Phoenix. You want to come? And he's like, sure. So he jumps on a plane. His friend Joe comes and they just bring this evangelism fire. And it was like so powerful. So I'm sitting right there where Angela's sitting. And I think it was Monday morning of that weekend that we had with them. And Joe's preaching about evangelism. And it was the best message I've ever heard on evangelism. It's, it's on our YouTube page, by the way. It says evangelism training with Joe Bieber. Um, and I'm sitting right there and I just, something stirred in my heart. And I just said, what if I just give myself to this, to leading a team in evangelism for like six months. What if I just give myself to this? And I, f- I feel like it was the Holy Spirit. And then look what's happened. We've been going out. Um, our hearts are getting impacted as we're doing this. There's there's multitude of blessings in evangelism. It's not that just seeing people saved. It's like God's transforming your heart. Just camaraderie, just getting to know the people we're going out with. Like It's like brothers, like shoulder to shoulder and sisters shoulder to shoulder, like carrying the gospel. And it's really powerful. But so something occurred to me though, uh, like I think a week or two ago, I was like, wow, if I would have went to get my real estate license, I would have totally missed all this because even if they would have, would have been here and been preaching that, I would have been like, my focus right now is getting a real estate license. Leave room for God to lead. Leave room for God to lead you where he wants to lead you. Don't overcomplicate your life. Now, I'm not saying, I know there will probably be a season where the Lord's like, yes, go ahead, get your real estate license and do it. 
but it wasn't the right timing. It wasn't the right season. And so we don't want to overcomplicate our life. I would have totally missed out on what God is doing right now. And it's this, it's, it's this fire of evangelism, but it's also breaking things loose in our church. I can feel it spiritually. There's something that's shifting in our church. So we are experiencing revival in our church, and we're on the 1,000-year plan. So we're building something not just for us. We're building something for our children's children that they can stand on. And I see it in so many forms right now. I see it in evangelism. It's like you can't rush what God's doing. It's like we're taking our time to figure out what does this look like? We're, every week we're learning like in evangelism. And we're trying to establish something that's going to be repeatable for years and years and years and years. I just started praying the other day. I was like, Lord, give us like, by the way, we already have about 14 people that have been going out with us, not all at once, but about 14 people are on that list. And I just started praying. I was like, Lord, give us like 10 strong, which we already have that. It's like, Lord, give us 10 strong. And I was like, and then Lord, give us like 15 strong. And then Lord, give us 30 strong going out and evangelizing. Then Lord, give us 50 strong. And then Lord, give us 100 strong. And I just see like 100 people from our church going out and evangelizing our city. And this is about getting a heart for Phoenix. God loves Phoenix, and man, we see it on the streets. We see people that are broken, and they need Jesus, and so many of them are ready. They're ready to, to receive Jesus right now. And by the way, so many, we're not making it just about a number of people that got saved. So many other people have gotten touched. Even Christians, like people who are Christians in tears as we just encourage them and pray over them. So God's doing so much. So we're on a 1,000-year plan, even in discipleship. I've been asking the Lord about discipleship for years, and I feel like he's just now starting to give me a picture, but it's even like, but this is going to grow slow. You can't just duplicate this. Like, there's something beautiful about time. It's like you have to kind of embrace the process and, like, press into the Lord, and he gives us more and more and more, and, like, things unfold in a beautiful way over time. And so there's this, you know, I'm disciple. I'm leading a, a group of men that I'm discipling on Friday, and the temptation is to be like, well, let's just open this up for every man in the church, and the Lord's like, no. <laughs> Take your time. Take your time. Like, you're, you're creating something that you're going to be able to duplicate again and again and again and again, and it's not going to happen overnight. You're figuring out how to do this, and you're being led by me. Go slow. So God has a way of, of just slowing us down and putting us in this place of rest because we so can just jump into the, the works. I heard Bill Johnson talking about um, the monarch butterfly, and the ones that are born in Mexico, instinctually in their, in their being, they know to migrate to Canada. So they start in Mexico, and they start migrating. But it takes four generations to get to Canada. So they'll go several hundred miles, and then they'll die knowing they didn't get to the destination, but that they're hundreds of miles closer for the next generation to start from. So as we're cultivating revival and as we're just pressing into the Lord in our own life, 
we're cultivating something for our generations to stand on, like strong marriages and grace, standing on grace, standing in identity, embracing discipleship, embracing spiritual mothers and fathers. And we're just cultivating something so that the next generation has a better place. They're starting hundreds of miles ahead of where we started because we, we pressed in and we just cultivated something. And it's not about earning. It's not about any of that. It's just about pressing in and getting more of the Lord and just receiving more. And then we just set the stage for our children. And not just our children, but the spiritual children that are coming. We're setting this beautiful stage that they can be launched from a higher place than where we started. Amen. The heart of every good mother and father is that their children are going to go farther than them. That's the heart of every, every mother and father. Like, I want my children to go farther. I want to I help create an environment that they can stand on and they can go farther than I did. So that is our heart and revival. That is the vision. That's one of the reasons that we're, we're starting our building fund. We're looking for a bigger facility because we know that we're not going to be able to fit here much longer. We're already pretty full. And we're building something for our children's children. So I just have a few things. I'm, I'm going to just... Uh, I've got too much, like, uh, I'm not going to be able to get to everything today, so I'm just going to stop at some point and just pray, and we're going to go home. <laughs> but I just want to, um, we have some revival housekeeping that we want to do. There's no formula for revival, and there's no manual of, of how to do it when it hits. If we had a revival manual, I mean, other than just, like, follow the Bible, like, read the book of Acts, and, like, and be led of the Lord, that's our formula. But if there was like a step-by-step -step formula, how many know that would take us out of this place of just being everyday dependent on God? And so God, he doesn't give us formulas that are just like, you know, that we're following. It's just like he starts moving and, and he's doing all this. Like he healed Monet, he healed um, Aubrey, Jose, he healed her jaw. And he's showing up, he's doing what he does. And then we're just depending on him like, God, where do you want to go next? Like, where do you want to go next? And we're just trying to press into him and hear where he's taking us. But revival can be messy, and it is often messy. How many know God didn't take the messy parts out of the Bible? He didn't take the messy parts out. He left them in. Did you know that a third of the Bible was written by murderers? Moses killed a man, buried him in the sand. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. David, the largest book of the Bible, the Psalms, he had a man killed, took his wife for himself. Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. He was directly involved in, in uh, killing Christians when he was Saul before he became Paul. God didn't take that out. He left it in. The very line of Christ has people in it who we would never handpick to be in that line. Jacob was a deceiver. He stole his brother's birthright. He deceived his father. He deceived his brother. And by the way, his mother was a co-conspirator, and she's also in the line of Christ. Rahab, she was a prostitute, not even a Jewish person, non-Jewish prostitute, 
who lived in Jericho and she assisted the Israelite spies. And in Hebrews, this is what's beautiful is God's story of us sounds a lot better than, than maybe the real story. In Hebrews, it says this. She was, her life was spared by her faith. Her life was spared by her faith. And she's actually in the line of Christ. She married a man named Salmon. And guess who their son was? Boaz. <laughs> they had a, a son named Boaz. By the way, Rahab, the prostitute, she's David's great-grandmother. And her son was Boaz. And then Boaz takes Ruth as his wife, who's a Moabite woman who was previously married. David's son Solomon was from the wife that he took from the man he had murdered, Uriah. All these people are in the line of Christ. Solomon's son, Rehoboam's mother, Naaman, was an Ammonitess, and she was a part of, she came from a nation who did not worship or acknowledge God. That's the wife that he took, and they had their son, Rehoboam, who's in the line of Christ. Why did God leave these details in the Bible? Why did, why did he not just take out the mess? Just be like, I just want you to see the good stuff, and I'm taking out the messy parts of the Bible. Why did he leave that in there? This is why he left that in there. The Bible is a story of great redemption centered around Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. We see ourselves in all those stories, and so many of these stories are like, wow, that's me. This whole story is about redemption. It's about coming into Jesus' story and receiving redemption. And even the very line of Christ, you see the redemption. He just redeemed all those people and, and brought them into a union with him. The story of the Bible is a story of redemption. So what's in your past? What's in your family that the enemy is using, he's trying to use to disqualify you? We need to know, and the blood of Jesus has washed us. I, I, as we're evangelizing, one of the key things is just every heart wants to know. I was just talking to somebody about this. I can't remember who it was, but every heart wants to know I'm forgiven. Like my sins are forgiven. Every heart needs to know that. And as I'm sharing Jesus with people on the streets, I'm like, you know, I have things in my life that I'm not proud of. But Jesus came in and he washed me. He washed me clean of all my shame, all my guilt. And he can do that for you right now. He's inviting you in to where he washes you clean. He gives you a brand new start. And he's inviting you right now into his story. The Bible is a story of redemption. We learn as much from the bad things, the negative things, as we do from the good things. And I know that's true about my life. A lot of ministry is learning what not to do. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ministry is learning what not to do. Like, wow, I don't ever want to do that because I see how painful it is. I see how it hurts people. And then there's been times where I've seen things in the past that I was like, wow, I never want to do that, God. And then there's been times where me now as a leader, I'm tempted to do it. And then the Lord brings it back to my mind like, no. You know what that's like. You know how painful that is. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to control people. We're just not going to do it. So he uses the parts of our lives even that, we've, that he's brought us out of so that we 
know what not to do and that we learn from those things. I, don't, I tell my kids this, I don't mind making a mistake. I hate making the same mistake twice. That's when I get bothered. I don't mind making a mistake and it's not a shame, condemnation thing. I'm just like, I learned that lesson. What am I doing? Like, I'm better than that. I already learned that lesson. So revival is messy because people are messy. People are messy, but we're all being conformed into the image of Christ. Yes, we're completely righteous. We're completely clean. We're washed. The Bible says we're perfected in Christ, and now we're in a process of actually reflecting what's already true about us on the inside. Does that make sense? This is the difference between a, a, a religion that's trying to get you to become something there's a difference between trying to become something and realizing Jesus has already done it for you and now I'm being conformed into his image so that my life looks like Christ and it looks like what's already true about me on the inside. Amen. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So we've been made perfect in Christ and now we're being transformed into his image Our experience, a wise woman said this this week and I wrote it down. Our experience in Christ is as unique as we are. Tina said that. I was like, I gotta write that down. Our experience in Christ is as unique as we are. So we're all gonna have different experiences when revival hits. It's gonna look different for each person and we're not judging each other based on what each other is experiencing because everybody's experience is gonna look different. If you guys were here when Chad was here, he, he shared that story about like he's in this meeting and like people are just falling out and, and he's like George and Banoff's jumping over rows praying for people and then he looks over at Bill Johnson and Bill's just going like this. So everybody's experience is gonna be different. We're not gonna judge each other by what's happening or what's not happening. Amen? because our experiences are gonna all be unique. God speaks to us all in different ways. He knows how to speak our language. We're not chasing after a particular type of manifestation. That's not what revival is about. We're not trying to all do something or, or chase this manifestation. We're chasing Jesus. And in the process of chasing Jesus, he shows up and, and sometimes he does things that puzzle us. I'm like, okay, I don't get that, God, but if it's you, I want it. I remember Joy and I were at a meeting. And actually, I'll, I'll share. There's a couple of stories like this, but I'll share one with Chris Kildosher. When we met Chris Kildosher, this was, when was that? Five, six years ago? We went up to him, and he was just, we're like, he was just like a Holy Spirit tornado. And we were just like, we just want to get, get prayer from this guy. So we went up. And he said, hold out your hands. And we told him we're pastors. And he said, hold out your hands. And I had my eyes closed. I had my hands held out. And he just gave us a double low five, like with both of his hands. I can't do it because I'm holding the mic. And so he hit one of, one of my hands he hit and one of Joy's hands he hit. And I felt nothing. I felt, I felt a slap. And I hear, <laughs> Joy is out. I mean, like out, like Angela was there. We, we like... We, it lasted for like an hour. We were just like sitting there talking. We're like, I think, is she going to get up? Like, I'm getting kind of hungry. Like, and they just like left her there, you know, and they're like, oh, it was in between sessions. But I felt nothing. 
And I remember that the times, you know, you can be disappointed. I can be disappointed. That's happened to me a few times, by the way. It's like God just radically hit joy. And I'm like, I didn't get that. What happened? Why did I not get it? And it, but, but it makes me, I'm actually happy for joy. And uh, it makes me like, Lord, hit me too. Like I'm not condemned, but I'm like, Lord, yes and amen. I'll take that too. And I've been hit lots of times. Just it so happens a lot of times with joy, I haven't been hit. But yeah, I just hear a thud. There goes joy. <laughs> yeah, we got a piper down. <laughs> Amen. Where are we at? I don't know. Revival can be messy. Because we can be messy as people. One thing that, one thing that uh, we've determined not to do is... Because in, in a place where you're having a revival, you want the prophetic to flow. You want healing to flow. And one of the things that you can stop the prophetic super fast is someone steps out in the prophetic and uh, like publicly correct them. Be like, no, don't do that. What does that do to everybody else here? Oh, I ain't stepping out and doing that. I'm not, that, I'm not gonna get like called out like that. So we're even like... What we determine is that we're going to let the prophetic flow freely and we're going to address issues privately as they come. And by the way, if someone gives you a prophetic word, how many know New Testament prophecy? It's inviting you into this amazing, beautiful story with Jesus. If someone's prophesying over you, you know, you're going to get sick or something like that. First of all, I encourage you immediately just to be like, hey, so sorry, I don't receive that. We've done that. Like, hey, I... Thank you for trying. I don't receive that word. Like, that's totally fine. Um, please don't send anybody to China. If you send me to China, I'll be like, I oh, know, I think you're called to China. Because I'm not. But it's okay to practice. It's okay. This is a safe place. Like, we, we practice here, and we're, we're trying to hear from the Lord because we're trying to grow in it for our own culture, but also that we take it outside. When we're, when we're doing evangelism, we're just asking the Lord, Lord, give us words for people. And it's so powerful. Dakota had a powerful word uh, for somebody yesterday. It was really awesome. So revival can be messy, but we are not gonna uh, shut it down because it's messy. We're gonna actually just address things as they come. And we're going to press into the more of God. Romans 8, 29 says this, for, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. So we've been made perfect in Christ, but we're in this process of, of reflecting it on the outside. So many of my greatest encounters with the Lord, by the way, have not been in a church building. A lot of them have been in my prayer closet. A lot of them, one was in my car once where I had to pull off the road because I was just laughing, like joy hit me and I just had to pull off the road. I just sat in the parking lot and laughed for five minutes. So we're all unique. We don't judge each other by each other's experience, but we want to celebrate what God's doing in each person. I think there's, there's something beautiful about just honoring what's, what's happening with other people and just be like, wow, God, I'm, just, I'm so just excited for that person. There's something beautiful about that. 
Romans 12.10 says this, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. In the uh, NLT, it says it like this, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Honor is a big deal. It's a big deal in the kingdom. There's a huge blessing in just honoring people, and it's not just people in your church. But just there's a huge blessing. It's the Bible says, honor your father and your mother that your days will be long on the earth. That tells us there's a, a reward for honoring our mother and father, but I don't believe it stops there. There's a, always a reward in honoring. There's always a reward in honoring. Okay, so I'm gonna end it here. One of the keys to revival is evangelism. Every great revival that's come, it's, most of them have started with evangelism. And evangelism is not just for people to get saved. It's for the believers that have been believers for years to come alive. Because we get to see our salvation all over again in someone else. And it makes our own heart come alive. Revival is in the air. And God wants to bring us all into times of refreshing. Amen. Thank you.